Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And you have tuned in to The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. Here at Waters Garden Center, we've been doing this show for oh, several decades now. So I've been landscaping, gardening, farming throughout the Yavapai County, Central Highlands area, from Skull Valley to Prescott Valley to Cottonwood to Chino Valley and Prescott, everything in between. Of course, our family has owned a garden center here in Prescott. A little history about Waters Garden Center. My father-in-law, Harold Waters, started the very first garden center in northern Arizona. Back in the day, there were a few garden centers down in Phoenix. I think uh, like Barrage Nurseries, some of those along Baseline. There were quite a few growers, greenhouses, but no one was up in the north country. Well, Harold was selling fences. Uh, he was a fence salesman down in Phoenix. The economy crashed back in the 50s, like it often does here in Arizona. And he said, you know what? I've been wanting to live in Prescott. I think we're making the move. And he's just moved up, started a landscape business, then a garden center, and then and, and a pet shop and a feed store. And still you'd go over to uh, the Colorado River in the winter and, and help ranchers and farm over there just to get through because there just weren't many people uh, living and working in northern Arizona, especially Prescott. Well, that's all changed. Now we've, we're all grown up. We're, we're big people now, big, big communities. And so now we've, we just do the garden center piece. We don't really landscape. We know who the landscapers are. We can give recommendations, but we do, we do, uh, still grow with our friends through partnerships. Uh, a lot of our plants are, are grown and for here. And then we still install. We will take the biggest of trees and put them in the ground for folks. And so we've just, we've, we're doing the things that we really like to do that, that are fun. And so the pet store, the floral shop, uh, the landscape, we used to have eight landscape crews going out of, of here every morning here at Waters Garden Center. And it was just chaotic. But I love coming to work every day and seeing the new plants, talking to customers about their gardens, what's going on, the positives, the negatives, the celebrations. And right now, uh, this week, I've lost my tomatoes. They are no longer even remotely trying to live. The cold took them. I, I picked most of the peppers and the tomatoes, ones that I thought would ripen up inside my house. And I picked those, brought them in. And then I pulled the plants up, and they are out of the garden. So I've got bare space. Now, in the interim, those are I'm right this year, I've got raised beds and quite a few containers of plants. I have been transitioning over for the last oh, month or so, and I've, I've put in quite a few cool season or winter hardy vegetables, herbs, flowers. And so I've got lots of spinach out there, kale, uh, parsley, uh, lots of beets. Uh, what else? Spinach, lettuce. Those are all thriving. I mean, I can't believe my pansies. They've they've quadrupled in size just in the last three weeks. They love this kind of very chilly nights and bright, bright days. That's when they are their happiest, and that's when they're rooting and growing out fully. And they will continue to do that, at least at this, this central highlands level. This Let's say, let's call it 4,000 to 6,500 foot level, maybe 3,500 that level. So we're talking from Hillside and Kirkland 
all the way over to Cottonwood, Camp Verde, all the way back through Payson, Prescott Valley, Prescott, of course, this whole central area, Kingman, uh, that's the, 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 so three to 6,000 foot levels. The, this is where we get strong, cold nights. It can be windy. It's been windy this week, but bright days. Certain plants just thrive. They absolutely thrive in that kind of weather. And so this may be a new, something new for you that you've not heard of if you're from the Midwest, where yes, you'll have pansies, you'll have kale, you'll have snapdragons, you'll have uh, dusty millers and all those things, but you don't expect them to winter over with you. You just want them to make it to the end of the year. And then that gray gloom settles on top of you, and then you don't get to see the sun for about three months. Well, that's why you live in Arizona. We don't have that. It's just nice and bright and sunny, and plants love that. And we really don't have a frost line to speak of. So plants keep that that ground never really turns into ice and freezes solid. So the roots keep growing out. That goes for your flowers, the winter blooming vegetables. That goes for your trees and shrubs as well. The frost just does not permeate that soil and freeze them. So the plants never really stop growing and they never stop using some moisture. So it's important. If you, I would say this is ideal time to plant trees and shrubs, especially larger ones, things you really want to have time. You want the pressure off of them to get them rooted out before next summer. That's when things are difficult to grow. Here in the mountains of Arizona, the most difficult to, uh, month to grow out of all 12 months is the month of June. June is when it's hot. It's dry, 10% humidity or less. It's windy, prevailing southwest wind, and then plants have that tender new growth on them that they've had through spring. That's like a trifecta of difficulty. If you if you look at them wrong, they'll they'll get brown leaves, they'll turn yellow, they just they get they have some issues. Every month you can plant before the month of June, the better off you are because you'll have more roots underneath those plants. So that's the beauty of planting in the fall of the year. Autumn is when the ground is still warm. It'll stay warm for another six, eight weeks. So, And it never truly does freeze solid. The frost line just doesn't permeate down in. And I mean, roots are not going to grow in ice. Well, we just, I think last year, even with all that snow we had in this Central Highlands area, at least, the ground we were planting, uh, we had crews out there planting trees and shrubs 12, every week last year. The ground never really froze. It was moist. It was soggy wet sometimes, but it never froze. So we could keep planting in. So if it does freeze, we'll peel back that frost line and, and get that get those roots down where that warmer soil is, and they just continue to root. So the pressure's off. If if anything, if you'll make a mistake this time of year, you'll overwater them. And so right now you're planting plants in the ground. And really now through middle of March you're watering about two times a month. I would suggest anything new planted this year, whether you've got a new landscape or just a new tree, a new shrub, a new hedgerow, privacy screen, you should water those plants that were planted this year at least two times per month. Deep soak. Yeah, but but Ken, you don't understand. My landscaper, he's turned off my irrigation, my backflip in there, it's been blown out. I don't have the ability to water. Well, you got a hose. Just drag the hose out there and water by hand. So I know you've been used to automation for, for the last year, but sometimes you just need to, to take the edge off, keep those plants moist so they keep rooting, and you'll notice if you go walk your yard, the leaf buds and flower buds for next year, 
they've already started. Lilac, the flower buds, they've already formed. They're already going. And that's why you really don't want to prune those uh, spring blooming shrubs now. Because if you do, it doesn't hurt the plant. You'll just prune off all the flowers. And there's not enough time to get that flower to rebud through winter. Now through, what are we, four months away before the bloom starts for spring 2020? So they're already starting to form. Your your, uh, rhododendrons, camellias. We just got in a load of camellias, the winter-hardy varieties of camellias. This is exciting for you Californians, folks from the Northwest who are used to your camellias. Most of those are tropical plants. But there's a new series called Ice Princess that goes down to, I think, minus 15 or minus 20 degrees. So it grows up in the mountains at higher elevations. The buds on that camellia are ginormous. I mean, they're almost bigger than a rosebud. And so they're getting ready to bloom. They're usually the first ones to bloom in spring, that right upside the, the, the forsythia. So it's winter's here. Your gardens got decimated this week. They really, most of us at most of the elevations, it took our summer uh, blooming flowers. The geraniums got burned, the tomatoes, the, the watermelons, all gone because the cold got to them. Well, there's a whole series of things that you can plant now that will keep, keep blooming, keep flowering, keep producing through winter. But mainly, that fall-colored maple you wanted, that uh, beautiful ash, the, the winter pine trees, this is your season to plant those things as long as you water them a couple times a month by hand. It's all it takes. And you will have such rich growth, such elongated candle growth, more flowers next spring by planting now rather than waiting till next spring. You'll have twice the plant next spring by planting now in the fall. Lots of good advice in store for you. Lisa Watersling coming in with your garden questions right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Some things are just better together. July is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Aw, thanks Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together and only at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Ken with the Plants of the Week and our Fire Alarm Red Mums. With a name like Fire Alarm, you'd expect large red blooms that take a fire hose to put the glowing petals out. Just provide a little garden soil for a flaming red that will last and last. But wait, there's more. This fire alarm mum comes back again for even bigger show next year and just $3.99. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love red mums, they love to shop. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we're back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio, my favorite gal, uh, my travel buddy. We've gone to El Paso. Mm-hmm. To where, where have we been this year? El Paso, <laughs> the, uh, Lake Powell, uh-huh. um, South, Seoul, South Korea. Right. Where else? You were in Nashville. Oh, yeah, Nashville and uh, 
going off to New Orleans here in just a couple months. So you taking are. a team down there in, in oh. February. I've been to St. Louis. St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Where else did we go? Have we been Seems like California? we're always going somewhere. Oh, we did go to Pasadena. So, so yeah. our daughter's been mm-hmm. going to grad school over there. So we're right here in New Mexico. Yeah. Went over there for a bit. Oh, Southern Fallbrook. The Garden Center's met down oh, in San and, Diego. Uh, yeah. So kind of get around. We do. The great thing about being a small business owner is you can kind of, you have business you have to take care of. So it draws you out. You have to go to learn, to meet your consultants, see, see your farms, in our case, meet with vendors. But then while you're there, you can take an extra day or two and just go have fun. Mm-hmm. Since the hotel room, the flight, flights, everything's kind of there. Yeah. You just kind of go, well, we're making a we're making an event out of this. So right. maybe we don't get to Europe or go on that cruise as often, but we get <laughs> to go okay. places. <laughs> yeah. We go a lot of places. We do. We enjoy traveling. Anyway, this segment, it is about um, the questions. What are yes. our what are local gardeners talking about? What's going on in their yards? And hopefully we can you know share that with folks. Mm-hmm. And then they can get some ideas to look for or look at in their yards. So what you got for us? Well, our first question is from Brian. He needs to do some screening of a neighbor, new house in. He's looked at the Austrian pines, Arizona cypress, different trees. Yeah. His question is, how do you determine how far apart to place your trees? Well, it's a good question. So he's looked at a lot. So mm-hmm. generally, here's what the book, here's what here's what they teach in design school. So you take that mature size that it has on the label. Let's say it's an Arizona cypress. It goes 12 feet wide. So you go, oh, 12 feet wide. You divide that by two, and that, uh, that'll be your spacing. If you want an overlapping mm. branch structure up above head high, so you want it to be thick all the way up, if you don't mind, you want to space it out a little bit, you can do that. So mm-hmm. it's probably every 6 to 10 feet would be my guess for most trees, That, that at least that list you brought forward. Mm-hmm. So an Austrian pine. It grows 30 feet tall by 15 feet wide. You divide that in half, about 7, 8 feet mm-hmm. apart, and that's your spacing. And that's that's kind of the simple math. So when I'm trying to help a customer screen, we'll actually take that measurement in the walkway. Mm-hmm. We'll just start placing the trees how we want it to look right there. In the, we'll design that garden right here at the nursery and let them get a feel for what it's going to look like when they put it on that back fence line or where that wind's right. coming up. Or, and so Arizona cypress... Uh, Austrian pines, Scotch pine, even larger uh, uh, spruce trees, mm-hmm. uh, junipers, Do Italian you cypress, cedars. You know, cedars. They're all really good, fast-growing, strong, hardy, screening privacy plants mm-hmm. for the mountains of Arizona at, at all elevations. Mm-hmm. So when you're planting those, do you recommend just going straight in a line? Is it better to stagger or does it matter? Well, it depends on the flow, on the design you have. Now, generally, we don't go with formal designs in Arizona, at least in the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's more of an informal design. And what's the difference? Uh, in, on the East Coast, they love their formal designs. They'll put boxwoods, perfectly spaced, marching across the landscape, <laughs> right up to the front, front door, and they're, they're just evenly spaced. They love everything in even. Here we like things more wild, kind of more natural, less formal, but but it looks like it just popped up out of the earth right here, but it looks like it's balanced. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, for for clients I help, I recommend doing a mixture. 
on that back fence row, and then taking a zigzag pattern or a, a, a triangular pattern on, on that back fence line, mm-hmm. and then planting different things in that in, a, in that zigzag pattern so it looks more natural. It's not less of a row, formal design. It will fill in naturally. And so when you have your guests come out you know, two, three years from now, they're going to go, wow, did you buy this lot like this? This is amazing. Why did you do this? What? Who, who's your gardener? <laughs> and so that's kind of the feel you want right. for, for your, your land. I would even say mix in a few in that green screen, mix in a few deciduous things. Sure. An aspen cluster, a maple, an ash, a, a fruit tree. You can you can mix it up because now we have an informal garden going, mm-hmm. so it really frees up. It's more like a cottage garden. It's that, that kind of flavor. Only here we're using very large plants because they want it to screen. Right. So that's kind of my. Some yards can't accommodate that. They're just small. They're little tiny lots, and you have to go real tight up against mm-hmm. the the wall so you don't take it. That's where we use Italian cypress or. Or, or Spartan Spartans, junipers because yeah. they stay tall. They get tall, but they stay narrow. Mm-hmm. And so it depends on – that's when take a picture, bring it in the nursery, give it with a few measurements, and we can help you design that because that's, that's what we do. We're designers that just know the local plants. We can mm-hmm. help you get it just right. Figure it out. Yeah. Definitely. Great question. All right. Next question is from Terry. She has a fig tree going in a large pot. Yeah. Wants to know how does she care for it through the winter? Gotcha. And does she need to provide any extra protection for it from there must the cold? Must be a few figs, yeah. Because I had one at the class last weekend. Should I bubble wrap my fig tree? <laughs> on, uh, I've never heard of that, but no. If you get the right variety, and she's at a lower elevation, let's say under six thousand feet, mm-hmm. uh, a fig should be fine right through winter in the ground or in a pot. Now, if we do go crazy cold, like Prescott, I've seen several sub-zero winters. It's crazy. I mean, we just don't see that very often. If Mm -hmm. you see that and it's in a pot, just roll it up next to the house. The house throws off an amazing amount of heat Mm -hmm. or provides some insulation on the backside of that where the plant just comes through and thrives through that. You could wrap it in bubble wrap, possibly, or burlap, some of those things. I think that's more work than it's worth, but it would probably do fine. You don't have to wrap. It's not about the roots. It's about the top can sometimes get frozen back. The best thing you can do is keep things watered through winter. If you see a cold snap coming, water it so that it's got enough antifreeze. Keeps keeps that core from freezing. That's your best ticket to healthy plants. How often should she water? Well, fig in a pot, every 10 days or so, something like that, in the yard, Every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. just varies a little bit, but there's not a lot of water needed. But when you do, water it real deep. Okay. All righty. Next question is from Jean, and she has a problem. She has a husband who got bored. Ah, I love this guy. <laughs> and new tools. Went down to Harbor Freight. I love it. I see where this is going now. Well, Okay. <laughs> And he decided it was a good time to prune some trees. So he severely pruned back uh, her ornamental plum and some red buds. Uh, And her question is, do you think they'll be okay? And is there anything she can do to help them? That poor husband. He's probably in the guest house out back someplace. (laughs) No, it's it's fun. You can't make a mistake with, with pruning. You can always fertilize it. And it will grow its way out of any mistake. So th- th- don't worry about pruning. It's not ideal right now to prune because bugs are still out. The sap is still flowing. It's a bit early. I would have waited a couple months until after the new year and then done all that. 
but you're fine. So keep an eye on it. Don't watch for insects or some, some oozing coming out of the, out of the cuts, whereas you don't have to worry about that when it's midwinter. Now, you, I would say I, he's okay. <laughs> it's, he's, he did the right thing, just the wrong season. It'll all come out yeah. fine. I would say it's really important for those things to fertilize it with an all-purpose plant food. That's 744. It'll bud up. You'll probably have spectacular flowers mm-hmm. next spring because it's been hibernating so long. It's going to be raring to go. It's going to take all that root structure and force it into the few buds that are left. Even if he totally butchered the whole job. Oh, you're going to have so many flower buds are going to be so large because it's putting all that energy from the roots up into the structure of that of the remaining plant. I'm picturing this in my head how bad it is. I'm sure it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> we do get to hear from stories. From email, it sounded like. <laughs> I hear more stories of my gardener came in and yeah. whacked off all my wildflowers right, right. just as they're about to bloom. I, I hear that story quite often mm-hmm. so that's one guide you you have if you have professionals helping you they may not know as much as they pretend they're they have True. so maybe guide them through that so that they do it even a little bit more accurately with your knowledge to help guide them yeah. anyway great questions this week we will be back with ken and lisa lane and the mountain gardeners you're listening to ken lane aka the mountain gardener Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Oh no, my pine trees look terrible. Never fear, Plant Protector is here. Plant Protector? From Waters Garden Center? My super strength protector destroys pine scale, bark beetle, and aphids. Just water into the soil and your trees are protected from the inside out for the year. Thank you, Plant Protector. You can always find Plant Protector at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Hi, Ken, with the Plants of the Week and our Ivory Feathers Pampas Grass. The most majestic of all grasses, this dwarf pampas grass blends perfectly into landscapes. In bloom at Waters now with long stalks of ivory plumes held tall above flowing green foliage that only grows head high. Much easier to maintain, this crop is the nicest you'll find and only $39.99. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love ivory grasses, they love to shop. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lang. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's Waters with two T's, GardenCenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. A big shout out to the community at the Prescott Lakes community. So Lisa and I went out and we taught a class at the, at the uh, country club there at Prescott Lakes. And we've, we're kind of a regular out there. We've been out there. I think it's our second time this year and uh, just very engaged and I was explaining the best way to fertilize your landscape, and it seemed to generate a lot of interest. I thought I would share some of that here for you, the listeners that tune into tune into the show. Um, we do not have a rich, nutrient-rich soil here. Right? We barely have dirt. We barely have any soil. There's just rocks and caliche and clay and 
it's just rough gardening here at the higher elevations. All of our soil tends to get picked up by our summer rains and they get flushed down the hills and they travel down the dry washes and the, and the streams and they go downhill and they settle in these big flat areas. So uh, our family gardened or farmed on Kirkland Creek down in Skull Valley. That's just a big floodplain or, or all the sediment from around the, all the nutrients from around the, the hillsides have been settled down there. So the soil was quite rich. Uh, but all that nutrient up there, it wasn't there anymore. It wasn't at the top of the hills. It was down below. And so some of you, you've got a brand new house. Uh, they just scraped off every bit of topsoil. Let's say you're at that new uh, Chino Valley or Prescott Valley subdivision where they just scraped op- open the valley and plopped a house down. Uh, they scraped off all the nutritional topsoil that was there that was just a, maybe an inch or two deep. It's now gone. Some of you are actually gardening in dead soil. So you wonder why your plants don't grow. They just sit there. They don't die. They just they look at you from through the back patio window and they're going, I'm not going to grow for you. No, I'm just not happy here. Not going to do it. And so they just look because of the nutritional factor, the the nutritions in your soil, they need that more often than other parts of the country. You'll need to supplement that food source for them. They cannot survive on a water diet any better than your dog or your kids can can survive on a water diet for, for more than just a few days. Or in a tree's time frame, a few days is like the season. It needs to have some nutrients to it. And so that is why you really, the most important feeding of the entire year is the fall of the year. We generally use Halloween as the, as the demarcation line. This is, our, this is our marker for when you need to fertilize everything in the landscape. From perennials, flowers that come back every year, to trees and shrubs, to, to, to lawns. If you, if you feed your lawn right now with a good organic food, so uh, it'll green it up. And keep it growing through the end of the year. Many times through the entire winter, it'll stay green, especially a younger lawn. So it's important to feed everything in the landscape right now. And so we make our own food. So I'm I'm kind of the mad scientist. I love playing with recipes and chemistry and trying to get the balance right and how to use organics to do the same thing that a petroleum-based a chemical will do like a Scott's Turf Builder. You, you really don't want to use those chemicals, especially this time of year. You're better off using organic or natural plant foods. Plants will take it up better. It'll feed longer. It'll get you through the entire winter, not just the next three weeks as far as food goes. The plants can pick up more of it. And so you'll have uh, greener evergreens. You have larger flowers on your lilacs next spring. You'll have more flowering quince, more uh, uh, rhododendrons or hollies or camellias or roses, uh, more, more foliage on your shade trees, more flowers on your flower, on your uh, fruit trees. It's this is the most important feeding of the year. So I made a seven four four all purpose plant food. It's a cottonseed meal. And then bird guano. That's why it works so well on lawns. Uh, I've also, just this year, I created a new uh, fruit tree and vegetable food. Purely organic is pelletized. So it's organic. And most organics are powders, but we figured out how to pelletize it. So now it will spread through a spreader or through, but just, you won't get as dirty by hand. It won't be all this powder floating up at you. Uh, So it's a great way to go. So, um, and then for the fruit trees, we put it's a six four four fertilizer, but then we also have seven percent calcium. 
So their 7% calcium is what brings the flavor out. It's what makes the flowers larger, the, the fruits uh, larger, better colored. It makes tomatoes really, gets rid of that blossom end rot. It helps with drainage. Calcium brings a lot to your to your plants. And so that fruit tree food, we actually made it. It's a 6447. The 7 is 7% calcium. So for me, I planted all my fruit trees, all the spring blooming things, the lilacs, the forsythias, uh, the flowering quince, all, anything that blooms in the spring or fruits, I gave it the fruit and vegetable food. Everything else, especially the evergreens, I gave them the all-purpose plant food. I just got two bags of all-purpose, one bag of fruit tree food, and that's that just went through the yard this week. Just spread it all out there. Here's another insider tip that I shared with the Prescott Country Club, at Prescott, Prescott Lakes Country Club. Um, for me, for things that I really want to bloom, I like like huge flowers on my lilacs, uh, Russian sage that are over the top blues, autumn sage that are just covered in red, more flowers and foliage. I give those things super phosphate. In addition, super phosphate is zero eighteen zero. It's all phosphorus. That's what creates fruits and blooms. If you want it to bloom over the top, just chuck a handful of super phosphate along with your other fertilizers, and wow, watch out. You're going to have more fruit, more flowers, more fragrance than you've ever seen out of your landscape next next spring. Be right back after this. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Hi, Ken, the plants of the week in our plumtastic muley grass. Glittering clouds of vivid purple plumes emerge in late summer and persist through the end of the year. It's a natural and showing off all its glory right now at the garden center. A superb hillside plant, especially when situated so that the plumtastic flowers are backlit by the Arizona sunset, all for just $36. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love plumtastic grass, they love to shop. Plants are a lot like puppies. They need care, water, and food. You wouldn't forget to feed your puppies, so don't forget to feed your plants. Water 744 All-Purpose Plant Food is a gourmet meal for your plants. The only food for Arizona plants with the nutrients they need for big blooms, a hefty harvest, and tremendous trees, all naturally. It's time to feed your plants with 744 All-Purpose Plant Food from Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we're back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week and just shares her garden insights, her garden knowledge. And I love to see your new, I was just watering your new creations you've put together, like <laughs> dozens of them. We have over 50 containers at our house, and we've been dressing them up, changing them out to winter-blooming, winter things. Uh, in fact, Marty, our neighbor, she, she came over and said, wow, your yard couldn't accept anymore. This just looks so fabulous. I can't believe it because <laughs> it looks, they filled in. They just love yeah. this weather, and they're taken off. So mm-hmm. well done. Even the neighbors are taking notice. We don't do it for them. We do it for Good, us. We enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. But if it helps in the neighborhood, makes it pretty, hey, that's just a bonus. That's that's right. So what do you got for us this week? So we finally had some pretty darn cold weather, cold nights. We've had some wind. 
And just about all those shrubs that were going to lose their leaves, the deciduous shrubs, have almost all lost them. Some are still hanging on for dear life, but most of them are pretty bare right at the moment. I thought I would talk about those shrubs that are evergreen that aren't necessarily needles, so it's not necessarily a pine or a spruce, but have leaves, so they have that real leafy look to them, but they keep those leaves year-round. Broadleaf evergreens. Mm -hmm. That's how they're defined in the catalog. That's the term. (laughs) Broadleaf evergreens, but they're great. They're a staple. I mean, you need quite a few of those Mm -hmm. in the yard to keep keep your yard balanced, where it looks so naked, especially with a rock lawn. Mm -hmm. You can really look more bare than other parts of the country because you got all this beige. Your your mm-hmm. trim is beige. Your roof is beige. Your car is beige or white, <laughs> and then your your whole yard is now beige. You, you some need something to it. carry. Yeah, you need something yeah. to carry you through. You really, really do. It, it's it's almost depressing to drive by a yard so, that's yeah. all one color with no green, no no nothing. This is their it. this is their their summer home. Uh, they're wow. down in the Phoenix area now, so. But the rest of us who live well, okay. around, just helping them out. <laughs> I mean, there's some things that look really pretty without the leaves. Aspens, right. uh, some of the maples, dogwoods, they are gorgeous without their leaves on them. But that's kind of few and far between. Our coral bark maples in the backyard. Mm-hmm. We've got several Japanese maples, but the coral barks were this cold. The color went from gold to red. red. You can see it almost pulsating red because yeah. of the cold. They're really stunning. I know she got a, a few loads in, mm-hmm. maybe five or six or ten trees here right. of the coral barks. They are even prettier without their leaves and in the winter when it's cold. Oh, they, they show off better. I agree. I think dogwoods are the same way. Yeah, yeah They absolutely. just show so much more color. But back to those broadleaf evergreens that we want in our yard to help help things. So it, one of the ones I really like is rosemary. Um, I guess it doesn't really have like a broadleaf. It doesn't have a needle either. It's not a conifer. No. So it has a, that's an interesting, I don't yeah. know what that is. I don't know either. What is rosemary? What is lavender as far as that goes? Herbs. Herbs, yeah. Herbs. herbs. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> so, easy. So uh, the thing, I, I, the one I really, really, really like is the Tuscan blue. Tuscan blue probably gets what, four by four, somewhere yeah. in there. A little more freeform. It's not as structured. It's not as tight, upright, or uh, doesn't creep like the, um, oh, what's the carpet one? Huntington, Huntington carpet. carpet. Yeah. Um, but just really pretty freeform. And the colors on it are definitely more bluish than purple yeah. that you see at a lot of them. The so, flowers, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, they bloom. They've been in bloom. Yeah. And they'll start blooming again next spring right. by March. It's They're blooming cool, again. You get two bloom seasons yeah. off of them. Very animal resistant, especially if you're up in those areas with lots of urban interface between the wildlife, deer, bunny. Uh, it's a great one to put in because it's not going to get chomped back to the ground. My other one that I really like, kind of gets about the same height, is the gray leaf gatoniaster. Really pretty to mix in with things that have a real dark green leaf to them. So your manzanitas, that manzanitas, kind of things. It just makes a really yeah. nice contrast to it, especially in the fall and winter when it gets that red berry on there. Yeah, that's very pretty. spectacular. It's a native. You'll mm-hmm. just see it growing wild out there in the Bradshaws. Yeah. Just kind of, you'll just run across. You're going, what's this pretty evergreen or ever gray? Right. It's a it's a gray leaf cotoneaster. Yeah, I've seen it in our neighborhood. There's a couple of homes that have uh, kind of hills. And they have it planted on the side of those little hills. Yeah. And it really looks cool. It almost looks like it's a 
tall ground cover. Yeah. That's a possibility, but very, very pretty. Uh, Golden Euonymus is another one that is spectacular, especially in the winter because it has that yellow and green leaf to it. And it's a big leaf. It's not a little tiny leaf. So a lot of times you're looking at it and you go, is that in bloom or what is that? So it's a bright, bright plant, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very pretty. And within that Euonymus family, there's emerald gaiety, there's uh, gold splash, there's emerald and gold. I think there's a couple other that have that moon shadow, moon yeah, shadow. Kind of gets them a little bit different heights, a little different size in the leaves, a little bit different variegation in the leaves. The one I like about emerald gaiety, as as we go into the winter and fall, it almost gets like a peach blush color to it as yeah. well. Really pretty out there. You want the all the whole family does really really well here because it's evergreen, mm-hmm. but then it also has that leathery waxy leaf to it. Right. And so it tends to it makes it very drought it doesn't perspire. It makes it very drought hardy, mm-hmm. very easy care. Many times I'll use them as hedges, you know, right. for privacies or for low low growing ground mm-hmm. covers for some of your winter creeping varieties. Great plant for the mountains. It definitely is. Another one that's terrific is the Nandinas. Uh, Gulfstream and Sienna Sunrise are the ones that I really like to see used in the yards. They get about three feet or so. Very manageable out in the yard. And great color because you get the mixture of reds in there. New growth is red, kind of fall color of red. Uh, as that matures, it turns a more green color. So you get a really nice mixture of color out there in the and yard. animals don't eat it. Right. Again, it looks delicious. It's evergreen. The more sun you put on it, the brighter the colors become in winter. Mm-hmm. And animals don't need it. That's like every yard should have three. I mean, just, they're amazing little plants. <laughs> they really are. And and sometimes they get people go, oh, it's a bamboo because that's the other name for them is bamboo. bamboo. Yeah. And but it's not a running. It's not. It's not technically a bamboo, so it's not going to run, and you're not going to find it in your neighbor's yard and your neighbor's neighbor's yard. So good one to put in. Some that are a little bit bigger that I really like is the red clusterberry cotoneaster. That one, there again, gets that real pretty red berry in the fall and winter. Its leaf color in the winter is kind of a almost a bronze color, so it's really green throughout the growing season. But in that wintertime, it gets bronzy purple. Bronzy purplish. It's a difference. It's not evergreen. It doesn't lose its foliage. And it doesn't look dead. No. I mean, it's it not like, oh, what happened to that? It just it's, has this interesting color change, mm-hmm. which adds interest to the landscape. Right. Very pretty. And then, of course, every yard has to have juniper? No. Oh, yeah. Let me guess. Uh, I give up. You can't guess it? A photinia. Oh, yeah. Red tip photinia. <laughs> yeah, we do sell thousands of those. There are too many of those being sold. Yeah, got it. My bad. But I think that, you know, you kind of go, okay, why are there so many being sold? Well, it's a pretty shrub. Yeah. And it, it, it gets bit. If you just let it go, it can get, what, like 12? Yeah, 12, 15. Yeah. By, by 15. Gets right. monster. I mean, children, dogs have been lost, lost in photinia. I mean, it's, it could be really... Yeah, yeah, it's aggressive. Don't put it next to your house. You put Ooh. it up against a fence line or something. Right, right. You want it further up. Makes a good screening screen. shrub yeah. if you need something not overly tall, but fills in nicely. Really pretty new growth is always red. It's very pretty. It is used a lot, but it has places yeah. for it within the yard. Definitely. Don't commit all to red tip photinia. Just <sighs> add a few and then add some other things that right. add some interest to your yard. And then they can have some problems, so some some yeah. fungal things that happen. But just then you watch can, them. yeah, just watch them. So a few quick little shade ones for people that have shade. Uh, Goshinki holly, 
really because about three foot tall or so variegated holly kind of gets a really pink color in the winter as well pink red white green mm-hmm. all on the same plant it's a pretty little one it does great in containers too honey made holly is another variegated it's very attractive camellias of course yeah i mentioned those earlier <laughs> that's a good one yeah it is a good one to put in uh, the pieris uh lily of the valley shrub yeah and it you look that's at that idea. and you think there's no way that thing's ever great but it is It tough. is. It's a great little plant. Yeah. Uh, euphorbia, the uh, uh, rainbow ascot, euphorbia, oh, yeah. evergreen. Definitely. Little perennial, about a foot, foot and a half tall. You can take the sun. There's lots of the them. Shade. So and the garden center's full of them. They can all go in right now. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to plant those evergreen plants because now you can see where to spot them. There you go. You know, where you might be missing some foliage. So great advice, Lisa, on broadleaf evergreens and plant in the autumn of the year. Be right back with Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Hi, Ken, with the plants of the week and our ivory feathers pampas grass. The most majestic of all grasses, this dwarf pampas grass blends perfectly into landscapes. In bloom at Waters now with long stalks of ivory plumes held tall above flowing green foliage that only grows head high. Much easier to maintain, this crop is the nicest you'll find and only $39.99. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love ivory grasses, they love to shop. Hi, Lisa here with the Plants of the Week and our little Janie Gara. Little Janie is a charmer with flowers that float above this 15-inch plant. The fluorescent pink flowers will wow the hummingbirds with Janie's charm as well. Hummingbirds throughout the neighborhood will visit your plants. They're just so popular and only $14. She thrives in hot, dry gardens and only found at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love their native plants to be beautiful and hassle-free, they love to shop. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. Now this has been an unbelievable wildflower and fall-colored trees and shrub season. Uh, this, This year has just been over the top. So some plants you're seeing right now the uh, Prescott Blaze Maples, Autumn Blaze, that maple takes our wind, roots deeper, doesn't lift uh, driveways or sidewalks or stem walls. It's very low maintenance, but it's a really fast-growing red maple that does really well. It adapts tremendously well here. Now, you'll see folks in the Midwest go, oh, no, that Blaze Maple, that's not so good. If it's coated by ice, the branches will break. We don't have ice storms. The mountains of Arizona has snowstorms. We don't have ice like the south, the Midwest does. We have snowstorms. Well, they do fine with that. What we need are plants to take the wind where the leaves won't get tattered and torn. Well, that particular tree holds up really well in the wind. Another one's very similar. It just started to go, it's not It's not red, it just started to turn orange. It's called green mountain maple. It's a sugar maple. It's one of the varieties that they make uh, syrups out of. Uh, it's a hardwood. grows very, uh, just slower, not very slow. grows maybe a couple feet a year, whereas blaze will grow three feet a year. 
it just it has a whole nother level that it goes to. But the, the famous fall color is this bright orange and classic maple leaf. It is really incredible right now. If you needed a couple, they'd be companion plants with each other. So you got one that's red, one that's orange. And so those are great choices for here. You're just about to see the ash start to, to turn color. So we've got an Arizona ash. It's a, it's a native one. grows wild everywhere. Uh, it turns gold color like, like an aspen. And then there's Modesto ash, which it's kind of the same. I can't tell the difference. They're both, you'll see them both at your nurseries, ready for fall planting. But they basically turn gold, maybe a 20 by 15-foot tree. It's a small tree in, in terms of things. A larger one is raywood ash. Raywood, like ray and then wood. Uh, th- that one is a larger tree. It's 35, maybe 40 feet tall. And it's a lollipop, perfectly round. So it's like 30 feet wide, 30 feet tall. Now, this plant has long, slender leaves that turn a royal purple in the fall of the year. It's, in, it's, it's a dense shade tree during the summer, rich green, forest green leaves, but then it turns purple. So it's really pretty. You'll see that showing up here in the next, maybe with this cold snap we've had, it'll probably start turning them right away. Uh, of course, the one that started the entire season, there's two that really announce it's autumn. Days are getting shorter. We're expecting winter soon. We're gonna, we're just gonna call it right now. And they announce spring. And that's flame or ammer maple. It's a short maple. They're already done. They've been in, they've been in color for a month. Uh, they just dropped their leaves for these last windstorms. There's only a few leaves left on them, and they're basically a nice structured, uh, usually multi-stemmed type of of tree. Large, maybe up to 15 to 18 feet tall. And branch and vase shaped. You'll every once in a while you'll see a, a trunk on it, one a, a true tree form. But almost always that that particular flame maple grows in a a multi stemmed uh, large shrub or very short tree. The other one is sumac, especially staghorn sumac. Uh, I've got one of those, and they've been in again orange and reds. Uh, right now, my tiger eye sumac. Uh, that I surround the pond with. This is the native, naturally growing plant. You'll get it started. Just let it go by itself after that. This plant has been in orange color for a month already. So then when it, when it loses its leaves, it has this most interesting bark, this furry, fuzzy, uh, it almost looks like a, an antler's, like a deer's antler. Well, the velvet's still on it. It looks like that. Uh, thus the name staghorn sumac. Those are plants that announce that uh, that fall is here, and then it just progresses. Right after the raywood ash gets done with its purple color, one of the last trees to turn red in the fall of the year is Bradford pears or ornamental pears. There are several names. It goes by aristocrat, capital, Bradford. These are all ornamental pear trees. They don't actually put fruit on, but they got that classic white flower in the spring. And then around Thanksgiving, First part of December, they'll be in full red. I mean, just glorious, rich, like fire engine red. Maybe even deeper, richer than that. I mean, it's bright red. And they kind of finish up when everything else has lost their leaves at that point. These these guys still have them, and they'll, they'll drop. Usually by Christmas, they're kind of done. And that's when you need your evergreens to really carry you through the next three or four months. From that point forward, you figure you're not going to see 
foliage until the end of February, first part of March for most of us at most elevations. You folks in Flagstaff, Williams, the White Mountains, you're a little, you're a click colder. So you're about three weeks behind all the rest of us. Uh, but that, that's but that's where the aspens thrive, that golden color with those shimmering leaves. So that's that's those can those are in color right now as well. So it's a really great time to be planning on. This is the time when you can go to your nursery, see that plant in color, and go, "Yep, that's it. That's the color I wanted. Nope, I wanted more orange. I wanted more yellow. I wanted more gold color. I wanted a butter color. I wanted a, 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 a red." And and then you can plant it. And there's virtually zero chance of transplant shock by, by planting now. Uh, I just planted some plants myself. And what I did is I got it in the ground, dug my hole, screened out the dirt, added some compost or some mulch. I planted it, tucked it, you know, tapped it all down. Then I watered it in with the hose. But at the very end, I gave it a, a two gallons. I always have a two-gallon watering can already mixed up before I even start, of root and grow. This is a composted tea. Uh, that It's a compost tea. It's a liquid, organic, humic acid, rich uh, tea that, that enriches the soil around that plant and it encourages it to root, it keeps it from drying out, allows the moisture deeper into the roots, really helps with transplant shock and forming new root hairs. So I always give my plants a dose of that just as I'm planting. And then in about two weeks, I'll follow up with another dose of root and grow. And then usually that's enough to get it to really start taking into that surrounding soil to start rooting out into the, into the landscape and thriving to getting ready for next spring. I'm telling you when, you, when those leaves drop, you take a look at your branches out in your landscape. If they're healthy at all, you're going to see new leaf buds, little nodes, little uh, bumps up and down the branches where the next spring's flowers or leaves are already forming. And so to make those things as, as large as you can, to get that button or, or the, the new candle growth for, for your spruce or your pine, that's, get that as large as you can, as healthy as you can. And when it ignites with new growth next spring, you'll get a deeper, richer, darker green next year. It's, it's a game changer. So you need to fertilize everything in the landscape right now, especially new plants. They're, this is their first season. And I would suggest stay away from chemical fertilizers like your Scots or your whatever they are. Look for an organic food. If you're in the Central Highlands area, come visit me. I'll give you a quick lesson. I'll walk down the fertilizers with you and give. I'll show you which ones are best for you. So if you're, if it's Again, basically, you're going with organic, so a good natural food. And I would go as far as to say your evergreen natives would really benefit from a fall feeding. This would be your ponderosas, pinions, junipers. Now, now it's, don't go crazy with those. You don't fertilize them very often, but you do fertilize them in the fall, and that will increase the color, bring out that blue color within those uh, Arizona cypress, bring out that blue in your junipers. It will also make uh, help it to fill in if it's got uh, scale damage on your pinion pines or, or bark beetle or ips beetle on your ponderosa pines. This is important. It keeps them healthy, makes them robust, and so they'll grow better for you next spring. And if it has been damaged, you do see some dead limbs. It really helps to fill back in and become healthier once again in your landscape. So I encourage at least my clients, fertilize everything, especially the natives, 
uh, in your landscape with that all-purpose 744 plant food, and you'll have a healthier, better, stronger spring next year. Be right back with more on The Mountain Gardener. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. Oh no, my pine trees look terrible. Never fear, Plant Protector is here. Plant Protector? From Waters Garden Center? My Super Strength Protector destroys pine scale, bark beetle, and aphids. Just water into the soil and your trees are protected from the inside out for the year. Thank you, Plant Protector. You can always find Plant Protector at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. At the bottom of the hour, I had mentioned fertilizers, the importance of fall feeding, and what to fertilize with. Here's a couple of things that, you know, since you're tuned in, we're just friends, we're in the backyard just talking over the fence, here's some things that are really working in my backyard. I, I, I think they'll work really well for you in your backyard as well. Uh, some some insider tips, some some garden advice that you ju- you just don't hear very often, especially for the mountains of Arizona. I had mentioned the superphosphate. It's zero eighteen zero for things that bloom. If you had a lilac that bloomed great three years ago and it really hasn't done well, I have fruit trees and it bloomed great last year. It didn't this year. Uh, I've got roses. It seems like they just have, are losing their vitality. They don't have the fragrance they did the year before. Uh, if, if you've got those kind of issues, give them some super phosphate. Put a, put a few handfuls down at the base. Just get a little bag. A little goes a long ways. And phosphorus, that is all, that's, that's the number. That's 0180. That's, that's the food that the plant uses to produce flowers and, and roots. And so if you want more flowers, more fragrance, more bigger fruits, that's what you give it. And add to your current fertilizers a little bit of superphosphate, and wow, stand back. Also, in the like vein, for evergreens, especially spruce trees, um, hydrangeas, hollies, things that you really want to bring that blue flower, blue foliage, or blue candle growth. If you're, if you're Colorado's blue spruce, your Fat Albert spruce, hoop size spruce, was it's just not as bright as it used to be. It should be silvery blue. There's an additive you can give to those plants. So you fertilize them with the all-purpose plant food. But then in addition, you get some aluminum sulfate. Aluminum sulfate, that blue color is actually picked up from the mineral aluminum. So you put some of that on there, and next spring's new growth will be this silver, crazy blue. So evergreens really benefit from that. It's also rather acidic. So things that appreciate more acidic soil, evergreens, hydrangeas, uh, uh, um, 
camellias. There's a whole series of things that prefer much more acidic soil. You give it aluminum sulfate, and it makes it more acidic and brings the color out. Those are some real key uh, insider tips on plants that will really make them grow better, be, be brighter next spring. That, and for my pansies, so we have a lot of containers. We've probably thrown in several hundred pansies. The, art, the things are starting to bloom really well. What we're doing, this is the lane casa. This is what we're doing at our home. We're fertilizing those blooming things in our containers and raised beds mainly. Not so much trees and shrubs, but things that bloom. We're fertilizing those with a water-soluble flower power. It's 48% phosphorus, 10% nitrogen. But that 48% phosphorus, along with the iron and sulfur in it, just makes the flowers. You'll get larger pansy flowers, more violas, crazier calendulas, larger cabbages or, or, or ornamental kales. We're fertilizing a couple times a month those plants we put in uh, for the fall and winter blooming, and it just they are going wild. They've literally quadrupled in size just in the three weeks or so that we've we've put them in the ground simply because we're giving them that flower power, water soluble. It's like a it's like a miracle grow, but it's far better, especially in the winter of the year. Another sidebar, it makes an amazing houseplant food. That flower power, you mix it up in a little watering can and wow, watch those flowers, watch those blooming. I mean, from orchids to pothos to everything in between, they just go wild. So that's some insider tips on feeding your plants that'll kind of be a game changer for you. Again, right now you're you're setting the stage for next spring's growth. As things shut down, they root, they form new flower buds and leaf buds. You want to set the stage for better growth in the spring. Throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center, and we love talking to fans of the show. Hi, Ken, with the Plants of the Week and our Fire Alarm Red Mums. With a name like Fire Alarm, you'd expect large red blooms that take a fire hose to put the glowing petals out. Just provide a little garden soil for a flaming red that will last and last. But wait, there's more. This Fire Alarm Mum comes back again for even bigger show next year and just $3.99. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love red mums, they love to shop. Hi, Lisa with the finds of the week and our Forester Feather Grass. Dramatic bronze flower spikes start blooming in early summer and don't stop until well into next year. The flowers are so light and airy it's often referred to as feather grass. Growing to just hip high, this dainty grass shows off enough to make a designer statement without being invasive. All for under $30. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love really pretty grass, they love to shop. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.